Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. All right, RJ. So we're, we're back here uh, after an incredible evening last night at Queen Anne Beer Hall, where we had our first live event, the watch party for that Chicago game, the incredible post-game live that we got to do afterwards. I mean, it was a fantastic night, you know, capped off by the Kraken winning another game, scoring eight goals, winning on the road, setting an NHL record for a seven nothing, you know, a seven win road streak, making it eight in a row in total. Matty Beniers keeps it going. Jared McCann gets his first career hat trick. I mean, I, I just like, it, it almost feels too, like too much good stuff, RJ. I'm worried now. <laughs> Dylan, there's no reason why you got to bring this down right from the start of the podcast here. I, I, I sense a theme coming from you, but it was an amazing night. I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you in the sense that I don't know how it can get any better than that. Uh, just, right. you know, on, on that winning streak and, of course, like celebrating with, you know, a, a bunch of our great members of the community at Queen Anne Beer Hall in person. You, you know, finally, uh, you know, coming up to Seattle first time this season. Yep. Uh, and, and getting to meet a lot of people for the first time. I, I agree with you in the sense that just it, it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, that's, that's just my cynicism taking over. But it was a fantastic night. Uh, I put out a message on the Discord. I put out a message on the, on the Twitter, on Twitter. But, like, just how awesome it was to meet everybody who was there. To put faces to names that I've known for nearly two years was incredible. Uh, finally getting to see people shake their hands, give them a hug, all that good stuff was was awesome. And then also just hearing everybody's stories, right, RJ? Right? Like and, and what this community and what all of this that that not just we've done, but all of them have, have done as well, uh, means to everybody, because it all means something a little bit different. But for us all to get together and kind of share that with each other was was really, really special to me. And it was um I mean, it was. It's not going to be a night that I will forget for quite a while. And then, you know, the Kraken, they they were in on it too. They were feeling the love as well. Absolutely, the team certainly did their part. Uh, storming out to six first period goals. I, I mean, we all we all couldn't believe it. It really set the tone for the night, uh, and I think everyone just really enjoyed themselves. I, I'm I'm so happy, and I'm I'm looking forward uh, to doing it again in a couple days for uh, for the post game uh, after the Lightning game. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're recording this on Sunday. You'll all be listening to this on Monday. Oh yeah, uh, today. So why, yeah, so that's why <laughs> we're like referencing to last night and whatever. It's it's just the way we had to make it happen because obviously early game on Monday gonna, was going to be tough to record the podcast then. Uh, but we have we have some stuff to talk about. Let's go ahead and start with the with the historic road trip, right? Like we've been talking about this for a while now because it's gone on for weeks. What the Kraken have been able to do on this win streak and what they've been able to do on this road trip. But there's a couple highlights that have happened in this last week or so that that you know definitely deserve a little bit of time from us before we move on to to some other stuff. Like I have I have a couple questions for you, and then I'm interested in the community's takes on, and then we'll also be doing player grades a little further on in the podcast as well. But the first thing is I I feel like the Boston game needs to be talked about, right? Because yes. after you go through Canada. And we, we pick up the wins in places like Toronto, which has been a very good team this year. And you pick up wins going through, well, Ottawa hasn't been a good team, but you destroy them anyway. And it just was a lot of fun and you know to be able to do something like that. The, the Boston game kind of felt different. And I feel like that was the game that we were all like, you know what? A lot of people were saying, hey, it, you know, they've already won X amount of these games. The road trip's already a success. It's impossible to come out you know, below 500 on this road trip. If we have to drop the game against Boston, it, that, so be it. 
right? But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this, this uh, another chance to pat uh, Dave Haxtell on the back because he came up with an amazing game plan for that Boston game. That was exactly what the Kraken needed to do, go in there with playoff intensity, playoff energy, grind out a, a kind of greasy game against the Boston Bruins and give them their first regulation loss in their own building. Yeah, this was a game that, as you mentioned, a lot of people kind of had written off going into it, which is odd coming off such a big win streak to be like, yeah, okay, we're dropping the next one um, just because of how good Boston had been. Uh, but this was a game that the Kraken really got up for. And I think Boston, given how well they were doing, I mean, on pace for almost the best regular season in NHL history through the halfway mark, um, you know, they had the target on their backs. The Kraken saw that target. They they uh, they they focused in on it, yeah. uh, and they played exactly the right way they needed to for 60 full minutes. And they didn't just beat them; they shut them out. Um, and that speaks to the game plan. It speaks to the defensive focus. We've talked about that with this team so often, where you know the occasional defensive laps will just tend to end up in the back of your net. Uh, there was no, there were no defensive lapses really. I mean, you know, there was there was that one Pasternak breakaway, a couple defensemen getting behind, but Martin Jones, who I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, he's yep. he's just taken over and he's playing his game. So um, great effort, and and also just like you said, to to grind one out to chip pucks in with intention and go yeah. get them on the four check hard uh that just wound down the bruins all night and and you see the the eventual game winning goal uh from brandon Tanev created on on a play just like that um so great effort against boston and, and it really showed what this team is capable of yeah go with that two forward look right you somebody dumps it in another guy's going in to chase it someone's going in to support but maybe the center hangs back a little bit just in case Right, wait, make to make sure that you establish in the zone. It's a little more of a conservative look. Maybe that's why they didn't drop eight on the Bruins uh, <laughs> compared to all the other games that they were playing. But it was it was the appropriate look for the time and for the place. And that's the thing that has impressed me through, you know, really all of this season. We've talked about this, but especially on this road trip, I felt like the way they approached, you know, the the, the better teams that they had to play whether it was Edmonton originally, Toronto after that, or the Bruins there, you were seeing vastly different looks from the Seattle Kraken, and you weren't seeing really anything get lost in it either, right? It wasn't like, oh, by, by playing this certain style of hockey, we're, you know, we're, we're kind of holding back, you know, say a Matty Beniers, or we're holding back uh, Andre Burakovsky, or it doesn't fit the game for somebody on the back end like a Justin Schultz. Right. Like, no, everybody was just all in on it and everybody had figured out ways of making it work and how they could keep their own game within a different system and how they could approach each opponent differently, but still maintain and, and highlight what they do well. And that's the kind of stuff that, you know, yes, I, I know I, I said, you know, this give a lot of credit to Dave Haxtell, but that is also a player thing because that tells you that they are working very closely hand in hand with their entire coaching staff to figure that stuff out and that they really believe in all of the different things that Dave Haxtell is telling them game to game and what the coaching staff wants them to do because they're finding ways of working themselves into that, of, of then finding ways to highlight what they're good at and, and, and play to the best of their abilities while still within you know vastly different team structures throughout one road trip. And again, just to do that all on the road where you don't have a practice facility that you can be using, you're on planes, in and out of stuff, playing Mario Kart. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on. For them to be able to get, to have that level of 
coaching and system change game to game and do all of that stuff. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen an NHL team be able to do that that effectively. Right. And I mean, there's a reason this is an NHL record. No one else has swept a seven plus game road trip because you have to do all of those things that you just mentioned and do it all on the road. The level of buy in that it takes from every single player is just rare. I mean, you you need the coaching staff that's able to devise a plan like that. And like you said, you need the players to completely buy in and, and believe that, OK, if we play this way, we're going to win. If we play this way another night, we're going to win. And we and this is the strategy that's going to lead us to victory. And I think it all kind of builds on itself as far as the confidence. But, uh, man, this is just something you don't see every day. No, it, it, you, it really isn't. And, um, yeah, I mean, we could talk about all, all of that stuff for, forever. I know we've got other topics we got to get to here. But I will, I will say, I mean, two points behind Vegas for first in the division with two games in hand. It's a really nice spot that the Kraken have put themselves in after the doom and gloom that was mid to late December. Oh, yeah. And I think this is something where we can, you know, as as people following the team, kind of start to adjust the focus. I don't think it's this race with the Kings anymore, necessarily. You know, looking at that second, third division spot, I I think Vegas needs to check the rearview mirror because the Kraken are coming up really, really fast. And I think it's time to start talking about you know, maybe a division title if this if this continues. Right, I agree. Although with those expectations, RJ, just to just to go into a little transition here, um, with those expectations being focused and shifted to maybe looking at, yeah, hey, let's not talk about making the playoffs. Let's talk about hosting a playoff series or something like that. I've I've brought up you know multiple times all through this, even before they went on the road trip, how incredible it would be for the Kraken and for their national presence to go through uh, you know, the hockey craze that is Canada and go to the East Coast and win some big games. And how much that would do for this whole, you know, the idea of, well, are the Kraken for real? Is Matty Beniers really for real? Can he establish himself as the Calder favorite? Obviously, the Kraken did all of those things. And they, they did all those things in, I mean, to the best of their ability. They went above and beyond. When you're talking about shutting out the Bruins, when you're talking about multiple eight goal games, when you're talking about Matty Beniers with an insane point streak and a good and an incredible goal streak too, right? He's up to 17 goals already. Like it's absolutely incredible. I do I'm starting to to wonder now though, RJ, after that road trip where the Kraken have changed the hearts and minds of many, have the hunters become the hunted now? Right? Are, are the Seattle Kraken now going to be a team where when a team wants to make a statement win, right, they come into Seattle? And, I'm, and I am maybe talking about, you know, tomorrow for us or today's game, depending on when you're listening to this, this lightning game, where teams come in and they say, hey, you know what? People aren't paying enough attention to us. We want to go ahead and we're going to come into Seattle and we're going to get a big win against the Kraken. We're going to step it up and we're going to give them our, you know, A++ effort right, the way the Kraken have kind of been doing on this road trip. Do you think that this is this is something the Kraken are now going to have to deal with, which is teams trying to, you know, trying to make a statement against them? And it's something that I, I think is all fresh in our minds because of how we all kind of felt about that Bruins game, you know, maybe not before the game writing it off, but, you know, during it, uh, as it was clear the Kraken could hang with the Bruins. I think the Kraken went into Boston and they took the two points out of there. But I think another thing that they grabbed out of Boston was that target that the Bruins had on their back. 
And I think the Kraken are, are wearing it <laughs> now. And they're going to see that extra effort from other teams. Uh, this is just going to happen when you're on a win streak this long. Teams are, are going to do everything they can to snap that win streak and, and to have that impressive game against you. We saw how much the Kraken got up for that Bruins game. Yeah. And at a certain point, every single team is going to get up for every single game against you yeah. when that's going on. And it becomes tougher and tougher to keep that going. Right. And this, that's, this is where I feel like we can learn about that kind of next step and next level that the Kraken may have because we've never seen them tested in this way before. Right. Like, like this, this last road trip was that kind of like final test of, of that. Are you for real? Can you do this? Well, now we all know that they can, but it's a very different thing when you're trying to step up for every game because you want to win on the road or you want to impress people versus we got to step up for every game because every other team is giving us their A plus plus effort, and they're coming in and they're, you know, they're 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 going to try to play playoff style hockey against us, right? The exact same game plan we used against Boston, they're going to want to use that against the Kraken. They don't want the Kraken dropping eight on them, right? Nobody wants that in general, but you especially don't want to be like kind of that next embarrassed team if you want to get that win. And it's one of those things where I just I don't know how how it, it's that much harder when you're on the Kraken side of things or you know, the Bruins side of things or whatever it was, because you have to play that way every single game, right? It's a lot easier to be the hunter where, hey, for this game, let's really step it up and, and like, let's ramp things up game plan wise, energy wise, all that stuff, knowing that maybe we can trail off the next game. When you're the hunted, you can't ever do that, right? Without kind of losing a lot of your credibility and a lot of that, that reputation that you, you know, spent a long time to build up. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how the coaching staff, the players, the organization as a whole handles this moving forward and whether or not they can kind of keep that level of intensity. And I think that's going to answer a lot of people's questions, not so much about whether or not they can make the playoffs, but how is this team looking for an actual playoff run? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that's kind of, you know, where you shift things to. And uh, Dave Haxtell challenged his team at, kind of at the end of last year, you know, around December 30th or so, you know, after that Oilers game, or actually it was before the Oilers game. He said, look, we have a decision to make. Do we want to stick with the status quo and the way we've been playing hockey that's got us to this point? I think they were like two and eight in their last 10 at that point. Or do we want to reach that next level of hockey? Because that's what it's going to take to succeed going forward. And, and that's an authoritative voice as your coach, because he knows yep. he's been around. He knows at this time of year, it's going to take a higher level of hockey to win games. Yep. And the players had a decision to make and they made that decision. Yeah. We're going to yep. step it up. We're going to play that next level of hockey that's necessary. Um, and as, as tough as it is having just made that decision, we're going to play at the next level of hockey. I think they have another decision to make, yeah. you know, with, with the target on their backs. Do we want to continue this or do we want to find another level? Because guess what? We're going to be getting every team's best effort every single night. And, yeah. uh, you know, we'll see whether they can rise to that next challenge. And um, when it comes to playoff time, it, you're always getting every team's best effort every single night. And it's always a good team. You, you don't get any bottom of the standings teams coming along on the schedule in the playoffs. It's always a good team right. and you're always getting their best effort. Yeah. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting how the Kraken handle things. Now you've, you've got that reputation. You've, you, you know, you're, you're top 10 in all the power rankings that I've seen now, right? Everybody is giving you the respect that really the Kraken have deserved for a while now. And it just took people coming around to, but with that, 
comes certain expectations and it's going to come with certain things that the Kraken are going to have to deal with that they've never had to deal with in their franchise history before. But I am very much excited for it. Um, before we move on to player rankings, though, RJ, there are just a couple things because as we look at the Kraken, you know, heading towards the playoff picture, looking at things, talking about how incredible their road record is, all of that stuff. There's a couple things that I want to talk, touch on because they're, they're, you know, it is being fueled by stuff, right? Like obviously the team is playing fantastic. They have all the depth. Everybody's playing well. You're able to get all, you know, 12 of your forwards registering a point in a single period of hockey, right? Like they did in that first one against, against Chicago. Like, these are incredible feats, but it's all being it's all being fueled by by different things. And there's a couple things that are, I wouldn't say they're like massive red flags, but they're a little worrying signs and and things that I do wonder about. You know, the sustainability aspects of some things of what the Kraken are doing right now. And so the the really the first one that comes to mind, RJ, that I want to bring up is the shooting percentage, because the Seattle Kraken right now are shooting at 12.6%, which is number one in the league. Uh, the, the next highest is Buffalo at 11.9. And then after that, you've got Winnipeg and Vancouver at 11.2. So you're talking a whole point and a half percent higher for the Kraken than the you know teams tied for third place in shooting percentage, right? Like this is a massive uh, thing for the Seattle Kraken. Part of what's fueling this, especially on the road, their shooting percentage is like crazy high. And it's one of yeah. those things that, you know, we've seen it happen both ways, right? We've seen teams and players be able to go on massive shooting percentage benders and sustain it for a whole, you know, regular season and playoff run. But we've also seen where at times it's fallen off and you've seen that regression. And so I'm, I'm wondering, RJ, which do you think it's going to be for the Seattle Kraken? I do see some regression coming. Um, and it, it's, it's tough to talk about again. Like I hate this downer stuff coming off of this, but uh, this is something that, you know, I, I think you and I feel like a bit of a responsibility to do almost like this, this comes with kind of our Emerald city therapy type of thing, right? Where, where, you know, if we see something like this coming, I feel like we kind of have to talk about it potentially just so that if it happens, not saying it will for sure, but if it right. does, I think everyone's kind of, you know, prepared and they understand what's going on. Um, but you look at the numbers. I'm on Natural Stat Trick right now. I, the Kraken have the highest shooting per, team shooting percentage in the NHL, and it's it's not particularly close. It's 11.26 percent. No other team is over 10. <laughs> Vancouver Canucks in second place, actually. Um, but yeah, and and you think that numbers is probably bound for regression, and it's you know you look at the Kraken scoring goals, and they're doing a lot of the right things to get there. Right. Um, you know, you look at that Boston game and like, that's, that's just putting in the work. That's just, you know, right. finding those opportunities. There's, there's nothing, you know, that, that's going to regress or, or go away about that. If you keep playing that way, but you know, with how many goals they've been scoring, we've talked about just the incredible amount of, you had two, eight goal games on this, on one road trip. Right. I mean, this has just been amazing. Uh, that probably isn't sustainable. And we saw this as it kind of came back crashing down to earth in December. And, and yeah, I think the team was playing a little bit differently, but you look at all the talented players, all the talented teams around the league, and you say, okay, well, what about this team is going to, is, is different that's going to make it, you know, maybe the best finishing team in a long time. I don't yeah. know that there's enough there that it's going to be sustained. And then you talk about, because I'm looking at PDO also. So PDO is, is right. shooting percentage, 
plus save percentage. So this is kind of a measure of, uh, you know, it can be shooting talent plus goalie talent, but it can also be a measure of luck. You know, generally over a long stretch of time, you would expect this to be about one, 1.0, just that shooting percentage and save percentage, you know, league wide, it, it, it totals to one uh, because, you know, for every, 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 um, you know, basically every shot, it either goes in or yeah. it's it's saved. So um, the Kraken do have the highest PDO in the league. It's driven a lot by shooting percentage, but the save team save percentage is actually um, around the middle of the league now. Yeah. And so one of the things you're hoping is that with the shooting percentage maybe falling a little bit, the goaltending, the save percentage goes up a little yeah. bit. Right. But and it offsets. And it, and it, it kind of has been going that way where the goaltending has been getting better, but you just wonder how much room there's going to be for it. Yeah, and and look, it will it regress probably, right? Like it's it's remarkably high, it's remarkably above everybody else. That being said, I I don't think that it's it's all doom and gloom because I feel like for the Kraken, what's one of the things that has contributed to this? Well, it's been their depth, right? And we talk about how Hackstall uses all the lines in some games completely equally, or sometimes your third or fourth line somehow ends up with more minutes than your top six line just because they're playing better on that given night. Right. And I do think that that his strategy and his way of doing that really kind of plays into this, because if you're always playing the hot hand, you're going to have, you know, the guys who are scoring, who are feeling it on any given night. Right. They're seeing things well. They know how to pick apart this defense or this goaltender. And so I feel like if Hacksaw continues to utilize the crack in depth the way that he has, the idea of them being a top five team and shooting percentage. Well, it just makes sense because they're just riding the hot hand all the time. As long as you have somebody who is feeling it that night, you're going to end up with a, with some goals and you're going to be shooting at a high percentage. So it's one of those things that is, is there some room? I agree. You're probably not going to be scoring eight goals all the time the way that they kind of have been. But I don't necessarily think that it's it's an unsustainable thing just because of how this group is put together with the depth that they have and the way that their coach utilizes them. I feel like that's a sustainable model. Because, you know, like I said, unless you get all four of your lines all going cold all at once, you're always going to have somebody that you can send out there for 18 plus minutes a night who's feeling it and who has the potential to get you a goal. Uh, and, and that's just something that I don't feel like any other team either has the capability of doing because they just don't have the depth or has a coach willing to go ahead and do that and have all the players bought into, hey, this is how we play games. Yeah, and that's that is a difference between the Kraken and any other team in the league, and you see that borne out in in just the stats of how many you know unique goal scorers, point scorers, all that that they have, the depth, what their fourth line, third and fourth lines can do now, um, and and so I, I do think that's a potential reason that it might you know if you're always playing the hot hand, your hands might look a little hotter than than most right. teams, uh, you know it, it kind of makes sense. Um, and I think also you, you talk about you know the shooting percentage, the the goal scoring. I think Dave Haxtell would agree that you're you're not going to be scoring eight goals every game, and that's the yeah. part of the message he's been trying to to send to his team is you're not going to what was it eight to five last night against yeah. Chicago. You're not going to win games eight to five all the time. That's not the formula for success. It's those three nothing games against Boston where that's you know the type of hockey you need to play going forward. So I think he's preparing for that too because he knows right. that they're not going to score eight goals a game forever um, and that you need to prepare for that. Yeah, and I think that's where you see him experimenting with some of those different strategies like in that Boston game where he can mm -hmm. kind of be like, all right, when we need to, like this is how we're going to have to play. We're not going to be able to outscore our problems forever. 
And there's a reason I chose to go with the shooting percentage thing because I feel like that's a little bit, it's it's a little bit more kind of empirical than say like you know if I, if if we were going to go true like YouTubery clickbait RJ, I would have <laughs> oh, gone with go. Muddy Pucks goals for above expected numbers, and the Seattle mm. Kraken are number one with a twenty five point six eight. The second place team is at fourteen, and then nobody else is higher than eight. Right, so this idea that the Kraken are just gener—they're just scoring goals when they absolutely shouldn't be, and it's generating all this extra offense. Like I said, there might be a little bit to that, but I think some of that just comes from the depth they have and the way they're utilizing it. I don't necessarily think that it's all just—it's all just luck that's going to come crashing down upon them all at once. Now, yes, just like with goaltenders, right? Hot streaks end, but I think because you have four lines, you can go out there and roll. The odds of you running into even three lines all being pulled at once, it's just probably not going to happen. Yeah, and, and it points just to the unique roster construction on this team and it, with expansion teams, too, that you can do that. Um, just a, you know, interesting thought experiment. We won't get into it, but just going forward about how the expansion draft works. And we've, we kind of saw it with, with Vegas in their first season. We're seeing it with Seattle now. I think this team has a bit of a misfit quality about them. Just that three second lines and a third line. You know, I wonder if any non-expansion team will, will try and emulate that. I, I mean, I got to think you will. It's a lot harder to, to kind of piece together because you look at, you know, Vegas had luxuries that Seattle didn't come the expansion draft in the sense that they were able to accumulate a lot more assets. A lot of general managers weren't ready for that situation the way they were for when Seattle came in. And, you know, we kind of all remember Ron Francis being a little upset on expansion draft day that they weren't <laughs> oh, yeah. able to do all the things he was hoping they would be able to do but Ron Francis going out there and offsetting that by drafting extremely well, bringing in a guy like Matty Beniers who can kind of lead this team now. Um, and, and whether it's goal scoring or point scoring or all that stuff that he can do, but really it's all the littler moves that he's made that I don't know how, you know, how many teams can actually replicate bringing in a Daniel Sprong on a tryout contract. And then he comes in and he's got 14 goals for you. I don't know about the Ryan Donato situation originally last year, how often that's repeatable or the Tolvanen situation where you grab a guy off waivers and he comes in, he's got five goals in eight games or whatever it is for, for your team. And, and so I, I do feel like, yeah, there's like a misfit quality because of how these guys all came together, but it's, there's also a, just a straight up magical quality to how, you know, <laughs> These are all things that on paper should not work, and yet they're finding ways of making it work. And um, I, I just think that that speaks to, to kind of the special group that they have. And, you know, I'm sure to the Kraken internally, right, they've got fantastic advanced stats people. They've got fantastic coaches, video coaches, all of that stuff. I'm sure when they were looking at these players, they were like, hey, if we can just get them to do this, they can be a really productive NHL player. And then they were able to do that, which then speaks to their, their coaching in general. Um, so I'm sure, you know, that's just an outside perspective where it just seems like, wow, this seems like remarkable what you've been able to do here. Meanwhile, internally, they're just like, hey, look, the system's working and then this can be sustainable long term. And, you know, time will tell if that's the case. Yeah, this is the process. I think, you know, uh, it, it, it's working as designed and um, to, just to be able to find players like that. But it, the work starts there when you bring yeah. them in. And then there's so much work that goes into this, you know, the magical quality of like, you know, the Sprong, Tolvin, and, uh, you know, all these acquisitions. It's just a lot of hard work that goes into it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we, we, we talked about that. We talked about the uh, potential scary stuff coming just because kind of had, to, oh, excuse me. Um, 
So we talked we talked about that kind of stuff. No no more no more time for doom and gloom because the Seattle Kraken are playing fantastic. I won't I won't shove down the the road record again and down everyone's throats. But I will talk <laughs> about the fact that hey, you know, again, we are we are competitive for first place in the division this year past the midway point as we approach this midpoint of the podcast, RJ. It only seems fair to do mid-season grades and I got to think these this year's mid-season grades might be a little better than the ones we were given out last year. I'd say so. I did take a quick look back at midseason grades uh, from last season, and I, I think uh, the whole class is going to do a lot better this year. Uh, yeah, I, I think you know, coming off this big win streak, I'm going to try not to get caught up and just you know give everyone an <laughs> yeah. A. Because if you, if you look at just this road trip, yeah, I give everybody an A. Yeah, how um, could you not? But uh, yeah, we'll try and try and uh, eliminate recency bias as much as we can. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so real quick for these player grades, um, we're going to do, I think like cut off well, one, they've got to still be on the roster Two, They'll have to have played at least seven, we'll say seven games, anything less than that. It's hard to really give a grade. That's not a full kind of performance and everything. Right. So, um, yeah, we're, we're just going to do the six defensemen. I can't believe this, just how, how healthy they've been on D, uh, you know, six defensemen player grades. And I believe that counts as, and then 13 forwards. This is crazy. Um, yeah. you know, how few players we're actually grading here. Um, but just like last year, I think we should start and go net out. What do you think, Dylan? Net out. Sounds good with me. Uh, I mean, do we, do we start with the guy who's kind of gotten We start with the starting goalie right now, Dylan. Yeah, all right. And that is Martin Jones. Martin Jones. Yeah, it's absolutely Martin Jones with a record of 21-5-3, and three, which is If you had told insane. us that at the start of the season. <laughs> RJ would have had a stroke or something. That's yeah, probably. <laughs> Good thing it all came slowly as the schedule went yes. on. He would have been racing to try to to try to delete any sort of uh, off-season videos we did talking about Martin Jones. <laughs> That's what he would have done. Uh, He's got the 895 save percentage, which certainly could be better. The three shutouts, though, which are fantastic. I mean, I, I, I gotta, I'm just going to give him a, a rock-solid A because the bottom line is, you know what? At the end of the day, wins do matter. And, and having a team that can play confidently in front of a goaltender, and it's not like he doesn't make big saves kind of night in, night out, too. I, I, I don't know. I, just, I don't really see anything that I feel like I can really knock on Martin Jones right now. Yeah, I agreed, and and the way he's been playing recently too. I, it, the thing about goaltending, and you know, goaltending is obviously very weird. It's kind of the you know the oddest, is, you know, results wise position in in you know in all of hockey. Um, it, there's a lot of kind of interplay with how your team plays in front of you, and just giving your teammates confidence, even if that's not making as as many saves as as. You know, yeah. maybe another goalie, you know, I'm, I'm not like me in, implying Grubauer here. I'm just saying, you know, around the league, if your teammates are confident that you're going to make the saves you need to make, that can go a long way. And I know Joe Martin Jones has had ungodly amounts of goal support. We've yeah. talked about this, uh, but he's done his part and made the saves at the right time on the other end. And also he stepped up when it matters. When Philip Grubauer mm -hmm. went down with injury, the Kraken yeah. needed somebody steady and we we were feeling kind of doom and gloom, like, oh no, is this is this where it all falls apart this season? But yeah. no, he stepped up. So I'm gonna go with this another solid A. I think he deserves that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Talking about Philip Grubauer now. Uh so it's gonna be a tough the, grade. The, this one's this one's a, is a really tough one. So the record four seven and one, eight eight five save percentage, not that far behind Martin Jones. 
but that goals against average is higher at 3.49 versus Jones's 2.76. I don't know. I almost want to give him an incomplete because, you know, it's hard to judge him kind of post-injury. He hasn't had a lot of, you know, chances to really show what he's got. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm just going to give him a C because the bottom line is his grade is passing. He, the, the Kraken can win games. They can lose games with him. He just feels average. Yeah, I think you're in the right ballpark there. It it's tough with the injury because you know whenever you have a player missing extended time due to injury, like you can't grade them negatively for that. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that C, and I'm just gonna factor in because I think we do need to factor in, you know, the expectations, what we were hoping for from the player. Um, and this is something where we do grade on a bit of a curve that way. You know what I mean? If, yeah. um, you know, that, that, yeah, like, you know, Jared McCann has scored, uh, you know, more goals than a, than a Morgan geeky, but we expected that to happen. Right. And so we can't right. judge them on the same scale. So I'm, I'm going to give him a C minus just a little bit lower just because he is, you know, he's the Kraken. I believe he's still the Kraken's highest paid player. He's, uh, you know, expected to be the starting goalie and, and, you know, truth of the matter is he's, he's lost that starting job. Yeah, and I and I do get that. Uh, I don't know. It's hard. His quality starts percentage is is kind of right there behind Martin Jones, and I and I feel like for for I guess maybe my grading for compared to expectation. I mean, the expectation was you know what he did last year, which was historically bad. Like no goaltender is going to touch that for a very very oh, yeah. long time. What he did at the halfway point last season, whereas this year, you know, I'm looking on Money Puck right now. He's only at, at minus 0.5 goals saved above expected, right? Where last year, I think at the halfway point, it was like minus 30, right? So it, it does feel like this is an entirely different player that we've seen and one that is very much just, like I said before, average. And so I just feel like I, I got to just stick with that kind of average grade and, and grade him on that curve of we know how bad this could be. And it's definitely not that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with that sentiment. I, you know, and, and, you know, I'm just taking, I guess, you know, kind of the, the contract and, and the yeah. expectations a little bit more into account, but all right, moving on to the defense. And I yeah. think because we're only grading six defensemen, this is incredible yeah. that, that this is all we're doing. Um, they've been remarkably healthy there and there's really been just three D pairs, right? I mean, yeah. they, these have not switched up yeah, except change. for the one instance of injury and suspension. So I think we should just go, you know, and there's a clear first, second, and third D pairing. So let's just go with that. Um, yeah. And we'll we'll start with uh, your, your favorite, the big minute muncher, Adam Larson. Got to start with him on D. What grade are you giving him, Dylan? I mean, it's, I mean do, it's, is there even a point asking? I was going to say, it's A for Adam or A for that assistant captaincy that he you know wears so proudly on his chest and for all the great work that he's been able to do with Vince Dunn, right? Uh, I, I think the reason that this year I feel like I can I can I can justify the Adam Larson love a little bit more uh, is that this year what he's been able to do and contribute offensively, right? Four goals so far this season, 19 points, the plus 30, right? Like he feels like he is activated in a way that uh, offensively that we've we've kind of wanted some other people to do on this Kraken team, like. Is he going to be like Jamie Alexiak, where he's going to skate like really far down into the zone, almost play net front? Like he kind of does once in a while, but not really. He really what he's been bringing so far this season that I feel like has helped out their offense a lot is a willingness to walk it towards the middle and shoot the puck. 
and and just kind of generate chances, not just hold the line and keep the puck in the offensive zone, but I'm going to throw it to a dangerous area. I'm not just going to cycle it back down and see and hope that my forward can win the forechecking battle. I'm going to throw it net front and hope that my forward wins the net front battle and scores a goal, right? And and I feel like him kind of taking that a little bit more aggressive approach in the offensive zone is one of those things that helps contribute to what the Kraken have been able to do offensively this year. Yeah, and, and a part of that is knowing that your D partner, Vince Dunn, is going to be there to kind of cover for you if you do that, that chemistry. And I think... It, part of that leadership as well. Um, Adam Larson has talked about, you know, we don't hear a ton from him necessarily, uh, but, you know, you hear from every player that you talk to about him, that he's a great leader on the blue line. And, um, you know, th that you know that that communication is going to be there. I'm, I'm going to stick with the solid A grade. I don't know how you give him anything else, um, you know, at this point. Just what more can you say? There's the, there's the usual stuff. Munching minutes, blocking shots, uh, you know, uh, clearing out the front of the net in a way that no one else does. And then, like you said, the offensive contributions. You covered it. I, I should have let you have all the words on Adam Larson. Let's let, let's move on to his D partner, Vince Dunn. And I'm also going to give him an A. I think Vince yeah. Dunn has taken the step forward that we were hoping to see from him this season. And it may be more of a recent step. I may be letting recency bias creep in a little bit here because on this road trip, he's been playing his best hockey of the season. But at the end of the day, you look at Vince Dunn's kind of progression with the Kraken <coughs> and Last season, you know, yes, he was playing with Larson for a while, but you take the season as a whole and he wasn't fully playing that those huge first D pair minutes. And right. now he is fully doing that often in games, you know, playing more than Adam Larson is, you know, when, right. when there's a lot of power plays, when there's that kind of time. And uh, he has stepped up and he's absolutely pulled his weight on this D pair. And so I, I have to give him an A for that, um, you know, just just playing those minutes, putting up putting up the points as he kind of did last season too, sneaky good in yeah. the point production. One area I'd like to see a little bit better is the power play. Uh, you know, th there's still that, but I'm I'm willing to take that trade off that he can be a true first pairing minute munching defenseman, uh, even if he's not the best on the power play. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it earlier this season about the idea of, hey, do we all need to adjust our expectations for who Vince Dunn is because he's playing really good defense right now. Well, I mean, after a rough first, like, two weeks or so, I guess. Uh, he's playing really good defense right now, and, you know, he's just kind of doing this thing offensively. Um, but really, since we had that conversation and, and since, like, kind of mid-December, that offense has really piled on. We're seeing him walk pucks to the middle and take shots much like Adam Larson is and we know what kind of impact that can have we're seeing him work and kind of develop chemistry with a lot of the wingers too in the cycle game and how he can kind of step forward a little bit step down a little bit into the offensive zone and then make something happen whether it's a, a fancy drop pass or kind of a no look look uh, we've seen him give give some of those as well I just think Vince Dunn's playing fantastic right now. I agree. It's got to be an A. He's playing both sides of the ice really, really well. Um, it, it, I mean, he's doing things that I had either given up on the idea of him being able to do, or I just never thought he would be able to do. And because of that, I mean, how, how do you give him anything less? Yeah, agreed. And uh, yeah, we'll try and not give everybody an A as we go down the list, as tough as that is. All right. Uh, next, we have, you know, part of that second D pair. Uh, we'll start with uh, the larger of the two, Jamie Alexiak. This is this is I guess another one. tough grade to give, right? 
this one's a really tough one. I don't I don't entirely know what to do with it, right? Already he's this is a career high in goals, I believe, for him as uh which at, at five. No, not quite. He had a six goal season, so he's getting close though. And I don't know, like it's it's so tough because I like that how he's been playing recently defensively, but before earlier in the season it was really really rough. We were seeing him make a lot of mistakes, especially on the penalty kill. Like he was really dragging that first unit penalty kill down with a lot of the things that he was doing uh, back when I did that PK breakdown. Right, like he was out there for all of those goals against way more than anybody else. Granted, he did play the most time on the PK there, but I don't know. I guess I'll give him a C plus. Like the suspension wasn't great. Like I, I, just, I don't know. There's just things that have come up that I just I go like, why? You know, I still want him to use his reach more. I want him to have an active stick defensively, especially when defending the blue line as opposing teams come into the defensive zone. I I feel like he has because of his size and and what that allows him to do. And really, he has good instincts too. He really really does. You see them, but he doesn't always trust them. And I want to see him trust his instincts a little more, trust his size and his reach a little bit more, lean on guys, do a little bit better in board battles, and not get beat when it's one-on-one situations, letting guys like Alex Dabrinkit just kind of throw you around. Like, I know he's got a lower center of gravity, but at some point being about 100 pounds heavier should just mean more. <laughs> and, and I feel like it doesn't always with Jamie Alexiak. So I, I, I'll give him a C plus. And you you hit the nail right on the head. Actually, that's the grade I had written down as a C plus okay. for Jamie Alexiak. And for a lot of the same reasons, I think just I this is one where I don't think we need to adjust our expectations as far yeah. as what he is, because he still has that size. He still has that physicality. He still has those instincts and he uses them sometimes. And when he does, he's a really, really effective player, especially yep. in his own end. Yep. Um, and we just you want to see that a little bit more from him. And and this is one where you also can't let recency bias because, you know, on this road trip, he's, he's been fine. Yeah. Um, but you look at when the team struggled, you know, earlier on in the season, kind of through December, he was kind of a big part of those struggles. And yeah. so I, I think it's it's worth docking him some points there. Um, but, you know, overall, not bad, you know, and, and that's yeah. where the C plus comes in. Yeah. All no, right. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was, I was just going to say that. So uh, Justin Schultz, then. Right. All this right. is another kind of complicated one. Yes, it is. Now, um, Justin Schultz brought in in the offseason trying to, you know, the Kraken need another puck moving defenseman. And, uh, you know, you look at the expectations, you're hoping maybe he can kind of fill in on the second unit power play or something and and help out there. Um, for me, he's exceeded expectations. Yeah, I, I think. And you look at at how difficult things were when he was out. Uh, when when he was injured after you know taking that that boarding from Ryan Lomberg, and and things kind of fell apart on the blue line. I know Alexiak was out too, and so maybe you you know having two guys out you know kind of compounds that. But um, Justin Schultz has brought stability to the power play. He's he's brought this element that Vince Dunn just hasn't brought, um, and he's been the perfect kind of budget addition. You know, the Kraken could have gone out and maybe got a John Klingberg, but I think. Yeah, looking at how Klingberg's playing this season. I think Justin Schultz actually is just flat out doing better. So for me, yeah. he gets an A. He's been exactly that puzzle piece the Kraken needed on their blue line. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with a B because I feel like okay. one of the things they brought him in to do was to was to be that power play one quarterback, and he is. He's been fantastic there. Um, but I feel like he hasn't brought that same level of success to five on five. And for a team like the Kraken that 
you know, yes, they struggle on special teams. I shudder to think what the power play would look like without him. I really do. Right. That's a, that's a very scary thought, but I just, I, I feel like he could be doing a little bit more, you know, he's, he's been fine defensively. He's been fine five on five, but I, I feel like he's missing some of that stuff that we were talking about with Vince Dunn, what he's been able to do five on five, utilizing wingers, how he can cycle, how he can move. I feel like Justin Schultz doesn't move a lot in the offensive zone. You know what I mean? He kind of he kind of has his spot and he hangs out there, and that's fine. But I, I feel like there's a little bit of of room for for growth there, and so that's why I, I got to go with that grade. Yeah, and this one, I too, I if you're looking at the recency thing, I think there's a little bit you know more room for growth there. Earlier on in the season, and this is what I wanted to give him points for. Uh, when a lot of things weren't necessarily clicking on the blue line, when things weren't yeah. going as well, um, he was a beast for, for you know, long stretch, you know, two, three weeks. I think he was the team's best defenseman. And so I'm trying to kind of remember that and give him some points for it. But, you know, I, I, I don't have a problem with, with your grade and it, it's just kind of, you know, expectations. And maybe my I think my expectations for, for Schultz going into the season were probably too low. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to be honest. And and maybe that's uh, you know, maybe that's the case there. Um, so on to the third D pair. Uh, and we will start with Carson Susie. And this is gonna be an interesting one. Um, I know, I know the fans have kind of like locked in, like, all right, what are you gonna give him? Because this is this is someone the fans have got a little frustrated with this season, and, and you and I have at times too. Yeah. Do you know who the penalty minute leader is for the Seattle Kraken RJ? All right. Well, the fact that you're asking tells me it's probably not Carson Susie. It's actually not um, Carson Susie. I know that's who most people would assume it is, but it's actually not. It's Yanni Gord. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it makes sense. He's feisty. He's always put himself. Yeah. In yeah. I was gonna say, do we when we take fights out of the equation, who's got the leader in, in yeah, minors? Yeah, it's probably Carson Susie. And as as we know, like Carson Susie, I, I I don't want to like make the whole grade that one week stretch he had where he just took like the worst penalties in the world and it cost them a couple games. I'm not going to just judge him based on that. But a lot of the stuff that I said about Jamie Alexiak, I feel like applies to Carson Soucy. This is a You're guy reading my has, mind here. I, that was going to be my yeah. explanation. <laughs> You're talking about a guy who has size and strength, but doesn't really use it. You're talking about a guy who has amazing puck moving skills and instincts, but doesn't really trust them all the time. And I feel like that trust has slowly eroded during his entire stint with the Kraken. Like, I feel like Carson Soucy was a better player the first half of last season than he has been this season. And and given the way the rest of the team has been, that it just doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's not good. And so, um, <laughs> I don't know. I think this is my first D grade. This is, this, this is going to be one of a few, I feel like, grades kind of below passing. Yeah, I, and I this this is my lowest grade that I gave out, and and it is a D. And I mean, you you mentioned it. A lot of the Alexiak stuff I think applies to Carson Soucy, and then you throw in the discipline issues, you know, the untimely penalties, and I think kind of that's where you're left with him. Um, you know, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't been like awful. You know, there, there's uh, there's right. not worthy of an F here, but I, I think there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, and yeah, he's just someone that I think, you know, certainly at, at times we've all been a little frustrated with. I think it comes out in these grades. Right. And, you know, you look at, at even the, the time on ice and it, and it kind of you get the feeling that, you know what, the coaching staff maybe even feels that way, too. Because last season with Seattle, largely in the same role, right? Third, third pairing yep. guy last season, 1740 average time on ice. This season, 1619. 
which is well below a lot of forwards on this team. Like they, this year, Dave Haxwell is really riding the, that top four grouping defensively. And then this, this last pair with Carson Soucy and Will Borgen, it's really trailed off in how much he's decided to use them as he goes with that kind of hot hand approach. Yep. It tells you that I think even the coaching staff has been a little bit disappointed in him. Given, I mean, that's a big drop-off season to season when your role is effectively the same. And you're still seeing penalty-killing minutes, right? Like that number is factoring in that he's used in, in special teams, which is you know another thing that kind of is, is kind of shocking if you think about it, to be only just over 16 minutes there. Yeah, and I do think that is is quite telling, uh, you know, as as far as the distribution there uh, from the coaching staff. So um, let's move to his D partner, Will yeah. Borgen, and I'm going to go with uh, a higher grade. I'm going to go with a B, uh, yeah. B for Borgen. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think you know you look at expectations going into the season because at the end of last year he had shown some some promise, but. Yeah, uh, there were still questions about, you know, even whether he was a full time player. We were talking about him. I, I know you because you you know didn't have the benefit of seeing all of training camp like I did. And you were saying, well, yeah, yeah is he even going to, you know, make the top six? I, I remember you asked about that. And I was saying, well, no, 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 no. I like I've seen him every day. Believe me, he is. He has stepped up. He is going to be an NHL regular. Um, and so for me, you know, I had those expectations, but I, I think he's done well, basically he's proven he is an NHL regular. And I think he's the type of defenseman that, that teams really value with that physical edge to his game, the ability, uh, especially in Dave Haxtell's system to activate offensively and, and win those pinches. That's something we, we looked at earlier in the season, just being able to, when he pinches in for the puck, you know, he's going to win that physical battle and he's at least going to make sure that the guy he's against is not going to move past him at all that's something you can always count on with will borgen and and so that's you know why the grade is is as high as it is um i think recently he's kind of kind of cooled down we we don't see as many you know kind of wow moments from him as we did at the start of the season um as he's kind of settled into more of that true third pairing role yeah uh, you know on a on a deep pair with carson susie so that's kind of why it it stays at a b but uh what do you got villain i got a c plus Right, because okay. a lot of that stuff you you got me hyped, and then the early season got me even more hyped, and then it all stopped, and we just not seeing it anymore, and so it, it kind of feels like I was I was a little bit of a tease, right? Of of mm-hmm. hey, look what this guy can do, and look at these situations we're thinking and plays we're drawing up for him, and then oh yeah, by the way, after the first two weeks of the season, we're never going to do it again, and it was just like oh okay, uh, and so I I, I feel like. In a lot of ways, I still haven't seen enough of Will Borgen, right? I just talked about Carson Soucy. Will Borgen doesn't necessarily have the benefits of playing as much PK time. We're only seeing him 15-30 a night. I just I don't feel like that's enough for me to still feel like I have a true read on, on Will Borgen. I feel like he's done a better job than last year being a physical presence, winning puck battles along the boards, that kind of stuff. He's definitely improved there. But as far as what he can deliver overall on you know to the team i just i still feel like it's it's largely kind of incomplete because we were starting to see it and then the team moved away from it even though it looked really good it did that's that's the thing i i just i don't know what exactly happened it's the kind of thing you have to kind of go look back and do a you know, I guess a deep dive into if you, yeah. you know, if you want to really find the answer, but uh, yeah, no. So I, I understand your grade, but I feel like it's not entirely his fault, which is why I'm, right. I'm going with the B grade. Um, yeah, no, it is largely out of things, out of his control. Yep. Yeah. All right. So that, that's it for the defenseman. 
the six yeah. defensemen uh, that, that we're looking at. And so now uh, we go on to the forwards. Yep. And uh, yeah, still, still only like 13 of them. That's, that's crazy to go yeah. through that. Um, but all right. I, I think let's just, let's just go by points. All okay. right. Does that work? That's what we yep. did it last yep. year. Let's stick with it this year. Uh, and there is actually a tie for the points leader, but yep. uh, let's go alphabetically. Then we'll start with Maddie Beneers. So <laughs> give, yeah, give me ahead. a moment to panic. I'm like, they both start with B's though. <laughs> <laughs> I know. How do you, how do you make it work? It's a tie again. Yeah. Um, Maddie Beneers, A plus, uh, you know, plus, 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 a thousand percent. This is the eBay grade, right? That I give out every year, the A <laughs> with the million pluses behind it. It's, it's Maddie Beneers because, you know, you come in late last season, get the nine points in 10 games, set expectations sky high for your first full season in the NHL, uh, given what you can do offensively and defensively. And then just to come in and live up to that. I mean, he, he's just fantastic. He does it all for this team. Uh, and and then I also think that part of it, you know, is the is kind of that work ethic he brings day in day out that rubs off on other guys as well. The leadership aspects of things, I, I, you know, if if anybody doesn't have an A for Maddie Beneers, I, I'd love to hear why. But uh, I can't imagine there's a lot of people in that boat. No, I I think everyone kind of has to accept this now. And you know, coming in right now as we're just a little bit past the halfway point, um, now tying the the team lead in points. If you had you know said that at the start of the season, because the whole question was, we know he's a special player. We like yeah. we we know that. The question is, can he be that regularly? We had only seen him for that ten game stretch. Yep. Can he? transform that into you know kind of a full season's worth of work and you know we only have a half a season to go off of but the answer is resounding yes mm -hmm. uh and not only is he scoring at the you know pace that we would hope uh he's playing that solid defensive game he's adjusted well to the physicality of the nhl put on 15 pounds in the off season and and even though he gets thrown around a lot he always bounces right back up uh, you know that's a worry that i had for him going into the season and so far he's been fine with that yep. um yeah i, I got to give him an a plus with you i, I only hand out two a pluses but uh maddie Beneers uh, has to be one of them yeah and you know Talk about magical qualities. I've never seen somebody be below 20% so often face-offs game to game with looking at box scores, but yet only be at 44% for the season. So uh, good on his kind of magic trick there to not look too, too bad face-off wise. I know, right? Oh, man. All right. Well, we'll go to the other player tied for the scoring lead, and that is Andre Burakovsky. Yeah. Uh, Off-season edition. Uh, this is, this is going to be kind of an interesting grade because we know the book on him is that he's hot and then he's cold and then he's hot again. Uh, and, and he seems to be living up to that. But I think the, the real question when you're, when you're judging him is, you know, does he take that step forward? Because that's when the Kraken brought him in, that's the idea. He was playing third line minutes with the Avs. Can he be a true top six talent? I, I think he has passed that test, but there are still times where I'd like to see more for, from him. I'm going to go with a B grade. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like that too. And that's kind of where I'm going because, it's hard to to see somebody who went on, you know, I'm, I'm trying to remember it like one, two, three, four, five, six, a seven game pointless streak. Right. And he started off the season so hot. It looked like the fantastic addition, uh, all the stuff that we were hoping he could bring, you know, that I had questions about in the off season with him, you know, as a guy, I was like, Hey, let's not like, you know, break the bank for this guy. There are some concerns here, but then Ron Francis able to get a fantastic deal done. But then to go on that cold streak, and it, and it's one of those things of, like, after having seen that, 
it's 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 something that kind of sticks with me and this is probably unfair to him that that I, it would do that because i don't know that maybe for other players it would but i it kind of feels like well at any minute this guy can just kind of disappear for us and yeah. and is that kind of like a scary thing so uh, i'm trying not to judge him too harshly on that because i don't think that that's fair so i'm going to give him a b plus because the bottom line is yes he's in here with that with you know tied for the points lead he's he's added 12 big time goals for us but I feel like, you know, could could be maybe a bigger contributor on the power play, especially. I feel like that's something that we would have liked to see from him. I think there's still room for growth there, whether it's as a distributor or as a shooter. Um, so for that reason, I can't quite go A, but uh, definitely a B plus. All right. No, I think that's fair. All right. Next, only one point shy uh, of those two is Jordan Everly. All right. What are we thinking on Everly, Dylan? <sighs> I, I mean... I don't know. Grading on the curve of expectation, I feel like this is a this is a total A, but I think I'll probably go with a B just because, I mean, uh, I don't know. It, it, he sneakily finds ways of picking up points, and I and I think that really his biggest contribution this season has just been as a steady presence alongside guys like Matty Beniers, right? As as he adjusts to the NHL and he can kind of be that that mentor figure and that kind of dependable night in night out kind of performer that a young player kind of needs not just to see that and and try to model their game after it but just to be able to rely on that of knowing exactly you know Everly's going to play the same way every year I like the wrinkle that we've seen from him more recently where he's he's trying to be a little bit more of a distributor and hey I'm going to pass the puck a little bit more and I'm going to play below the goal line and try to set up guys net front in in really prime scoring areas Another reason why maybe, you know, the shooting percentage doesn't drop off, right? It's just they're being able to create chances mm -hmm. and really good uh, scoring opportunities. I, I like all that stuff, but I, I do feel like there's still, you know, there's there is something missing. And, and part of that is the power play where it's just like, you know, uh, on a team that that really could use goals or, or use offense in certain times. I feel like Everly's been one of those guys that hasn't been able to deliver in those moments. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna take your 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 B grade and and everything you said, uh, and and the power. Well, I'll just the power play. I, I kind of like Vince Dunn, kind of given up on that, so it wasn't part of my expectation set uh, for him. And I'm gonna raise it up to an A okay. because of also what he's done off the ice, and yeah. uh, I think that is a big factor this season, especially with the team not having a captain. And you know, as someone, you know, I have the benefit of being able to kind of be there, you know, day in, day out that, that I understand you don't have. Uh, but but looking at things behind the scenes too, I, I in a lot of ways, Jordan Everly has kind of been the de facto captain for this team. Yeah. Um, and I think there's something to be said for that, and especially looking at the effect on guys like Maddie Beneers, as you mentioned. Um not just on the ice, but off the ice. It's the NHL season is a grind. And I think we often forget that that for Matty Beneers, this is the first time he's done this. You know, he only right. played 10 games last season. And as far as helping him adjust to it, you mentioned the on-ice parts really well, you know, as far as, uh, you know, knowing that he can rely on that, but also off the ice. You're seeing it in the growth in the young players. Shane Wright, while he was here, um, just the things that he does for the team as a whole. That's why I got to bump it up from a, from a B to an A. Yep. All right. Sounds good. All Jared right, so McCann. Jared McCann, yes. Talk, talk about right. a shooting bender. Like this is this is a tough <laughs> one, right? He leads the he leads the team in goals. We know what kind of skill he can bring, but yeah, at the same time, is he going to shoot twenty eight point two percent forever, RJ? 
right? Like that's that becomes kind of the question there a little bit. This is the ultimate recency bias player because we just saw him get a hat trick last night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What are you thinking, Dylan? I'm going to go with another B. And so I promise I'm not just going to like try to do this for everybody, Man. but I'm going with another B for one very specific reason. Okay. okay. And that is, I feel like Jared McCann has been the hardest person on this team to develop chemistry with. We've seen he's really the person who's bounced around line by line most this season. And the expectation I had for him on the power play, a little bit greater than what he's been able to do. And again, I'm not going to forever just use the power play against everybody, but he's leading the team with 22 goals. Only two of those are power play goals. Yes, that's fantastic five on five production. But when we're looking at the Seattle Kraken, what's one of their greatest areas of need? It's it's better special teams. I feel like this was a guy based on last season we really expected to help kind of bring them up towards average and not kind of hanging down at the in the basement of the league. Yeah, and I see what you're saying. The power play, I, I don't know how much it's tough because I don't know how much his fault it is. It's really because it's the additions of Daniel Sprong and more recently Ellie Tolvin. And like on that left side, like the Sprong bomb versus, you know, that McCann Rister, uh, you know, it, it, that hasn't helped. I'm going to give him an A minus just because uh, the, the, the five, the even strength production. I, I like this is, this is what I was hoping that was sustainable from him that he yeah. was able to do it. And I know you talked about the shooting percentage, the shooting bender. I, I get that, but the fact that he's done this for a season and a half now, uh, maybe not these kind of numbers, but that he's he's been the team's leading goal scorer for a season and a half now. I was just hoping he would continue that on yeah. this season. He's done that. Um, and and so, yeah, the minus kind of for the reasons you said, it's it's been hard to find a fit with him. And and the power play stuff, which I, I kind of, you know, I don't know. I, maybe I shouldn't just – you're counting the power play for everything. I'm not counting for anything. Uh, maybe there's a, a happy medium there. But uh, I'll go with an A-minus for Jared McCann. Yeah, and, you know, like I said, I mean, he's he's the one going for the Cy Young this year, right? 22 goals, only eight assists, right? So, you know, there's there's room there for improvement as well as, as far as being more of a – I don't want to say like a team player because that makes it sound like he's not. But, <laughs> like I said, being more of an, an overall offensive presence beyond just scoring goals. Yeah, no, that's well said there. Um, so moving on to uh, a very different style of player, uh, yeah. Yanni Gord. <laughs> uh, you know, I I think I'm going to give him a C plus. Really? Is that okay, awful? so you're really avoiding the recency bias here then. Yeah, I am because I, I just I look at it and, you know, yes, he's the only per- he's one of only two guys on this team that can realistically go up. Uh, shooting percentage-wise, he's only shooting 8.3%, and that kind of contributes to the fact that he's only got the six goals. But I just feel like he's he's doing everything that we expect and want him to do and the coaching staff wants him to do, and I don't feel like there's a ton like more there. You know what I mean? I feel like like shorthanded stuff, I feel like he's kind of he's been out there on the PK, but I don't notice him in the same ways that I noticed him last year with that. Like, I just... I don't know. I'm a harsher grader. I feel like if you're out there and you're doing the job that's expected of you, then that's expected. And that's, you know. Average. Yeah, no, I, I that's <laughs> that, that's fair. And like that's um, I mean, I went with a B minus here. And I think, you know, there's some of the elements you mentioned as far like with with 
him more than any other player. Just, yeah, he's doing the job that we know he can do. And I remember last season's mid-season grades. I think I, I graded him much more harshly than you did because I was like, well, we were hoping he'd step up and be a true, like, one C, you know, top yeah. six set or whatever. And you're like, yeah, I never thought he was going to be that. That's not what he is. Yeah. So I've adjusted my expectations from there. And I'm giving him just that little bit of a bump up because, and, you know, call it recency bias if you want. But if you look at this last stretch where the Kraken have been so good, that yeah. line of Gord, Oliver Bjorkstrand, and Ellie Tolvanen has been, you know, you could you could make a good case it's been the team's best line uh, right. for, for long stretches of that. And I think there is something to be said for that, um, it, it, that, you know, driving that success where I think without that line playing as well as they have, they don't sweep this road trip. Um, and uh, so I, I'm going to give them some extra points for that just because um, they, they found a fit there. And it's also helped find a place for Oliver Bjorkstrand. We'll talk about this a little bit later when we talk about him. Um, but that was something that needed to be done on this team. Yeah. And I think Yanni Gord has helped that happen. Yeah, although it's one of those things, right? Like when we've talked about that line, we talk about the other two guys. We don't really talk about Yanni Gord. Right, we talk yeah. about we talk about Tolvin and going in hard on the forecheck and and using his body and getting the big hits, and we talk about Bjorkstrand grabbing the puck and and then being able to distribute it out or you know do his East West style of game and pick up goals and stuff. We're not totally talking about Yanni Gord all the time in those situations, and so I do feel like this is a little bit like victim of his own successes, where it's just like we've seen Yanni Gord play this way in Tampa, and now he's doing the exact same thing here. So it all just seems like ho-hum when actually this is like you know one of the top five most reliable players you could have in the nhl um yeah. but you know so so maybe that's on us maybe that's you know certainly on me for giving him the c plus but uh let I, us know I, what you think yeah it's it's an interesting situation yeah all right so moving on and i feel like this one the next one's going to be a very easy grade for us to give daniel yeah. sprong a plus for me. This is one of the two A pluses. You certainly when you factor in expectations coming yes. into camp on a PTO uh, and ending up having the season that he's having with 27 points already. Um, I, what more can you say? Yeah, no, A, a plus all day. I, I really don't think we need to explain it. I think everybody's on board with that. If you've watched this team, yes. you understand the grade. Absolutely. <laughs> I think all we right. can just move on. As we're past the hour mark already, good to good to have a short one there. Um, all right, so next we have Jaden Schwartz, and yeah. this is kind of a tough one. Man, I feel like I want to give him points just for being healthy, as he right. of course as he missed this last game. But I give being healthy in general. I just want to give him some points for that. Yeah, for him, this is a very healthy season. Uh, I'm gonna give him. I, I'm really on the edge between a B plus and an A minus. And it's not so much for what he does individually, but for how the team plays when he's in the lineup versus when he's not in the lineup. And and what he kind of brings overall to, to certain groups of guys, uh, you know, special teams groupings as well, power play, right? We talk about him. He's got 10 goals. It's an even split, even strength and power play from him, right? Like he's been one of the few guys that on the power play can elevate his game and, and kind of step up in those moments. So I think I'll go ahead and give him an A minus, uh, but I, I just feel like he's one of those guys that it's hard to always put your finger on what it is that he's doing, but you can always put your finger on, hey, when he's in the lineup, this team is significantly better. 
Yes, and that's something that Dave Haxtell has said. He makes the players around him better. You look at the power play and and not just like, oh, he's producing on the power play, but in that net front spot because the Kraken yep. just don't have a lot of guys who can do that. Yeah. And so that's been very valuable. I, I'm I'm with you on the A minus grade. Um and and I, I feel like I am giving him some points for health here, but I don't care. Um just the fact that he's there and in the lineup, that's half the battle is being there. Yeah. I, I know you and I hate the plus minus stat, RJ, but how how on earth is he a minus 10? I I don't get... Well, I, all that power play production you don't get credit for on the pluses. I guess so, yeah. It's just it's crazy to me to see that. Yeah. All right. So uh, next, I, I feel like this might be a difficult grade to do, at least for yeah. me anyway. Brandon Tanev. And I, I guess I can start because... Um, it's tough recently he is he's really come on he's been part of that you know newer look fourth line and and he's been very good certainly this road trip um but earlier on in the season i mean we were talking about this like ellie tolvin and had to come into the lineup at some point and you know who comes out and honestly brandon tanev would have been my pick at that time um he just he wasn't producing a whole lot it felt like um you know he was he was the one guy in the bottom six who who just wasn't producing at that at that high scoring pace and he's recently turned it on so I, i'm i'm trying to take the whole season into account because you factor this in like we kind of expected him to maybe be you know certainly in the bottom six but someone who's yeah. you know maybe his fixture on the third line not necessarily just a really good fourth liner and so for that reason i'm, I'm just going to go with a solid c i'm going b plus right. okay all right one of our, our biggest differences here yeah, and it's it's strictly because of what he what he's been able to bring to the PK unit this season. He's been one of their most reliable forwards on that PK unit all season long, and for the overall pressure he can have, right? And you know, just look at these last two three weeks, right? The amount of breakaways he's had, and and how much pressure he puts on other teams. How he's able to he himself can get the puck out of the cracked zone and into the opposing team's zone. And, and at the end of the day, like that's a really tough job to do in the NHL and to do it every single game. He has a big time moment example of that. That's incredible for me. The only reason I'm not giving him an A is because the dude cannot finish to save his own life. I know. Right? How many breakaways <laughs> have we seen, like I said, the last month or so where he's just he's created this fantastic thing, gets the puck out of the zone, up ice, he's going, he's burning, turbo time. And then the dude just cannot finish he even gets a penalty shot cannot finish like he just can't do it at all so I, I gotta leave a little bit of room for growth there because if he starts finishing some of these chances you're talking about a player who's probably close to 20 goals this season yeah if he could finish on a breakaway we were having a very different conversation <laughs> we're talking about him much earlier here as we yeah. sorted by points all right uh next on to uh oliver bjorkstrand and yep. and this is going to be an interesting one because I, you talk about snake bitten yeah. <laughs> you know, at the start of the season, um, I think he was up there like leading all NHL forwards in, in like shots on goal and ice time, yeah. you know, w without having, you know, scored more than a goal. Uh, it's it's just been very difficult for him. Um, I mean, where, where do you go with this as far as a grade? B, I know I keep going Bs for all these forwards, but I, I think, you know, it, it's kind of similar to Brandon Tanev, right? Like there's room for improvement there. And we all know what that would be. That's that's largely just counting stats at this point. But I feel like the, the thing that I always look for when it comes to forwards is can they bring an offensive presence? Can they help generate offense? And this was something that, you know, my expectations for him, especially on the power play, sky high, hasn't really lived up to those. But I do feel like even strength all year long, no matter what group he's been playing with, 
he's the player that I tend to notice the most out there as far as generating offensive chances, getting the puck out of, dan- out of bad spots, putting it in good spots. I just feel like his ability to do that night in, night out is special. And uh, it's, it's just something that only a few guys can do. And he's one of those guys. All right. So I think we have similar methodology here as with the Tanev grade, because uh, you look at recently and, and what he's done, you know, with, with, on the Yanni Gord line and, and with, with Tolvin and he's found his spot. Um, but I, I'm going to dock him just a little bit because it kind of took so long to find that spot. And even though he was playing yeah. well, like we agree, the underlying play was good. But I think we did expect more just production wise, you know, both yeah. of us going in. And so for that reason, I'm going to give him a C plus because um, he's played really well now. He's finally found the spot, but I'm trying to take the full body of work into account. And so that's that's where I go a little bit lower. Yeah, and I very much understand that, especially you know when it comes to like the power play. Right. I've been tough on all these guys on the power play. I, I shouldn't stop now because um, that was the thing that I was most excited for his addition was looking at what he was able to do in Columbus and be like, oh my gosh, this guy is going to be the thing that takes our power play to the next level. And then it, no, it just has not worked out that way at all. So, and, uh, and, and of course I'm going to talk about how it's not really his fault that I'm not discounting the power play, but yeah. a little bit just because they don't use the bumper spot. Like the, 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 the way the power yeah. play is designed doesn't take advantage of his skill set. Right. No, it is very true. But uh, yeah, I, I still, I just, I go with, with, what he's able to do is just something not a lot of the guys are able to do. And if he keeps playing that way, the points will come and we're starting to see that now. Yep. All right. So on to the, the last of the top six forwards here and uh, it's Alex Wenberg. And I've, I've heard, you know, just definitely different takes on him from, from all, you know, segments yeah. of the fan base. He's kind of a divisive player. What do you think here as far as a grade? C. Uh, it's a very similar situation to Yanni Gord for me, where I just feel like he's doing what we expect him to do and not really anything more than that. And, you know, what do we expect him to do? Well, we expect him to be a good distributor and, and help generate some offense in certain situations, especially, you know, as a, in a kind of a depth role. And then, you know, make solid defensive plays, be a, be a really reliable defensive center. And so, again, it's one of those things of, like, I, I hate to, like, grade these guys on this weird curve where reliability and steadiness gets like punished almost. <laughs> but I just feel like, you know, I do think that he has the potential to be a bigger breakout offensive piece. And we just haven't seen it this year. And he's had lots of looks with lots of really good offensive players. And it just feels like, you know, we, we kind of see guys struggle when they're matched up with him. Yeah, he's been given you know a lot of opportunity this season, basically consistently playing in the top six, and he's done, as you said, exactly what what we expected. I mean, this is probably the least surprising in any direction player on on this Kraken team. We know exactly what he's brought. Um, you know, also solid defensively. That's worth mentioning. But yeah, I, yeah. I just I got to give him a C. There's as expected. <laughs> that's kind yeah. of what it is. Yeah. All right. Um, so moving on to Ryan Donato. Yeah. And uh, this is this is a tough one as far as like expectation wise, I think, just because, um, you know, coming into into camp, not qualified, you know, as as an RFA, but then brought in, you know, on another one year deal. Got to go prove it again. Uh, you know, what, what are you thinking from Donato? Kind of similar story with Wenberg, with with Yanni Gord. I'm going with a C because I was high on Ryan Donato. I wanted them to bring him back. And I feel like he's doing what I thought he would do, which is 
He's a good depth offensive piece. He can score some goals, right? He's going to score probably just under 20 goals in that 15 range, and that's what he's on pace for. And, and, and I feel like he's, you know, he's good coming in heavy on the forecheck and he can, you know, dig out a puck out of the corner, but he's maybe not greasy net front, right? Like he's just playing the way, just like with Wenberg, just like with Gord, he's playing the way I expected him to. And so um, for that reason, I, I just kind of stick with a C. All right. Well, I'm I'm going to bump it up a little bit. I'm going to give him a B. And uh, I think as far as how he's played, you know, it, this is as advertised, right? This is what Ryan yeah. Donato does. The The one bit I'm going to move it up for, though, is the adaptability, especially recently, because in order to stay in the lineup, he's had to kind of switch in as a 4C a little bit. Um, and, and he's had to, you know, play slightly differently. Um, and, and maybe that means sometimes not, you know, like driving the net like he wants to. Uh, but that's, you know, I'm going to give him some points for that just because with the depth this team has, doing those little things to stay in the lineup and also just how powerful this fourth line has, has been with yeah. him on it. Like, yeah, I got to give some credit for that. So I'm going with a B. All right. Sounds good. All right. So on to, uh, you know, his line mate for portions of the season. And and now kind of they're basically sharing a spot. Uh, yeah. Morgan Geeky. Um, and I'm, I'm going to go with a B plus from him just because my expectations were set kind of low after last season. Um, I was really questioning whether he was going to be able to hold down a roster spot this season. And he's finally brought a lot of the things that we were hoping for from him last season. Uh, You know, a little bit more of that offensive production. And and he's been that key puzzle piece on that fourth line, whether it's, you know, with Tanev, Sprong or or Donato, allowing them to go do their thing while playing back a little further, often being the F3, um, and letting those guys go to work. And I think you can give him credit for part of that production. Oh, absolutely. I'm giving him an A. And so maybe okay. this is like, you know, crazy. <laughs> but my expectations for him was basically that this was our disposable forward, right? As somebody better comes along in the season, uh, whether it's waivers, a trade, whatever, Morgan Geeky's then the guy. He's going to go down to Coachella Valley. And, you know, we're not really going to ever see or hear from him again, just based on what we saw from him last season. And he's been very far from that. I know he's not, you know, an every game player in the strictest sense of it, but. He's coming in. This is a team that struggles with faceoffs. He's, you know, realistically, he's your second most reliable faceoff piece, right? Like that, that means something. Uh, and then also just the amount of big time goals he's been able to score. I know he's only got four, but three of those have been game winners. And really the thing that's impressed me is his distribution, right? He's really kind of changed how he's played, given that he's playing with guys that are scoring and, and really good at that in Daniel Sprong, right? We're seeing him kind of change things up a little bit, and I feel like he's kind of turning into a player that he's never had to be before. But it's 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 what he should have been all along. Yeah, no, I I agree with that sentiment. Maybe you know, maybe I should have bumped his grade up a little bit higher. My, I mean, it, it's tough. You know, you, like where were the expectations at the start of the season? Right. And um, but I, I think that's just what what accounts for it. So on to the last player yep. we have here. Last, certainly not least, though, the newest arrival. And that is Ellie Tolvin, and he does meet the game's threshold here to be considered. Yep. And I, I mean, how do you not give him an A? Because he's got he's the only person with a shooting percentage higher than Jared McCann. It's the most unsustainable one. Oh right? god, uh, no sustainability. But we've talked about this. It's the two, yeah. it's not just the shooting, it's the 200 foot game. We knew he would bring the shot. Uh, yeah. but I've just been impressed all around uh, by what he's brought. Yeah, I, I'm giving him a B. Obviously, the shot is, has been there. I do think that that's going to regress. I mean, it's not unusual for us to see 
guys come you know switch teams and then they they get hot for for a short period of time and then it kind of cools off I, I largely the b is just because of how small the sample size is i don't feel like i can give him an a because i don't feel like you know realistically he was here for most of this first half of yeah. the season right like he he didn't really contribute to a lot of the great stuff the kraken did on previous win streaks I, and I also feel like there's you know a little bit of room for growth there, a little bit more consistency. He's brought the 200-foot game in some games, but we haven't seen it every single night. And so that's one of those things where, again, it's like, where are you going to fall on this you know marker? And then power play. Yes, came in, scored some big-time power play goals. But now, and again, this is not necessarily his fault. It's just like, oh, let's just set up the Tolvin in one-timer. Right, and it's become predictable. And teams like Chicago last night were very much able to get a read on that and just shut it down entirely. So, you know, I, that's not totally on him. I'm I'm not trying to judge him too harshly, but I feel like because of the small sample size, I'm going to go with a B because I feel like there is room for growth, but there's also room for regression. I think that's that's fair as far as the 200 foot game, man. Uh, we we've really uncovered a, a difference of opinion on the power play here. I'm like, for everyone, it's not their fault, but I, you know, I probably should assign some responsibility somewhere. <laughs> I just you got to figure out where where it goes. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I I understand that grade. Um, I just I'm giving him a little extra credit too for just solidifying that line with Gordon Bjorkstrand, um, yeah. making that what it is because it wasn't quite the same before he got there. Yeah. Um, so say, can we even give him a grade? We've seen him play one game at home. <laughs> I know. Fair enough. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's uh, it's, it's too little to give him a grade, um, but he's, he's regularly in the lineup. So I wanted to include him, uh, you know, at least for the time being. Yeah. Um, and that gets us to the 13 forwards. And uh, as we just hit the hour and 20 minute mark, uh, that'll do it for the player grades. Uh, uh, very interesting to think about. And um yeah, well, I'll have to go back and look at like who had the, the biggest discrepancy between the two of us. But let us know what you think also. Yeah. Um, you know, always, always good to get the feedback on these grades because, I, I, you know, this is this is great for discussion. Yeah, no, this is a very subjective thing, obviously. Right. Like, you know, not everybody's <laughs> going to punish sustainability and, and, and steadiness <laughs> the way I do. Right. Like, oh, man, I can't believe myself. But usually I'm like, I, I don't know, I guess maybe I am the tough coach or I'm just like. Yeah, well, you did that. I knew you could do that. Go out and do something I I, do, I don't think you could do. Prove it. You're, they're just doing their job, Hackstall, today. <laughs> I was going to say, you know that hockey meme of like where all coaches lie and it's like the coaches like like you where it's just like a practice is basically just a fun scrimmage and that, that's all it is. And then at the, at the top end of the scale is just like, you know, some Soviet era, like super tough coach. Yeah. Like I feel like I'm like just slowly getting there <laughs> where I'm just all the way ramped up and I'm just like this total uh, – tough guy but yeah it, i am curious to hear how everybody feels about about everybody here because uh, you know there's there's a lot of these guys that can go either way and so i'm kind of curious to get what the what the kind of community consensus is on a lot of these guys so as always let us know you know come at us on twitter instagram all that good stuff let us know in the comment section if you're watching this on over on youtube uh or you know discord all that good stuff but until next time rj We'll see you, everyone. Why do I always say that? Until next time, we'll see you next time. It doesn't make any sense. It makes zero sense why I say that. But I'm going to say it again. So until next time, we'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Hey, everyone. Before we go, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to all our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash emeraldcityhockey, especially our Terror of the Deep patrons, Absurdly Sane, Alex, Austin W., Austin H., Brian, 
Burnt Creme, Chris, Hoop, Daryl, DJ, Duthin, Eli, Gaby, Gary, Harry Legionary, Jay, Joey, Joni, Joshua, Kepler, Kitty B. Kraken, Kyle, Leanne, Maya, Michelle, Nunya, Paige, Paul, Rebecca, Scott, Sean, Shoeshine, Striatic, Tasty Kobold, Team YMIAT, Tank Commander Ty, Tyler, and Wendy. Thank you so much for making all this possible. We really appreciate your support.